I'm your host, Erin Groves, and this is where your positivity journey starts. Welcome to the Pop Podcast. Hey, 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 guys, and welcome back to the Pop Podcast. I am your host, another day, another guest. He was also mentioned on Steve's episode. So thank you, Steve. This is his shout out for introducing me to Steve. And he's who I have on the podcast today. He was in technology sales for most of his career and then took an interesting business venture that I've actually never heard of um, and rents out space to other boaters and RVs. So I'm not going to steal your thunder, but Steve, I might pronounce your last name wrong. How do I pronounce Garretson. Garretson is here on the Pop Podcast. Introduce yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> this is my first podcast. I was just saying, looking forward to this. And um, thank you for the uh, introduction from Steve Jacoby, yeah. our, our mutual friend. Um, yes, I was, as you said, I've been in the technology sales and sales management arena for 30, 35 years. Good money for my family, supported my family. That's what I knew. But all along, I said, hey, no matter what corporation I'm working for, I want to figure out a way to generate passive income streams, you know, and, and, and so I just started reading books and things like that and talking to other people. Um, I'd met some other people that did investment property in my neighborhood and I just went and had lunch with them. I took them to lunch. I said, Hey, tell me more about this. I want to take my hand at, at some rental homes, generate some passive income because I've got a pretty demanding job full time to take care of my family. I'd like th- this passive income to build over time. And I think real estate's a good way to do that. And that's exactly what I did. And I started buying my first investment property um, in 2005. I ended up buying about seven of them. Um, they all made money. Uh, the, some good rules of thumb I learned through others and just from my own experience was, um, be very picky on the tenants who you lease to yeah, because it does matter uh, quite a bit. And if you buy a decent property in a good school area, and that's key to a good public school, because regardless of the, uh, if you have uh, families that rent, whether they're single parent or not, they want their children in good schools. And I've had tenants that are, that are both married with kids and some single with kids, but I found renting to families is very good too. From a, from a business perspective, take get better care of it, all that good stuff too. So um, so cut my teeth, had these seven rental homes going. Uh, my kids started approaching college. I told them I'd take care of their undergrad. They didn't have to worry about it. So I sold a couple of them. I did very well when I sold them cause they had a, like any investment property, that's a single family home, three bedroom, two bath on the average. That's kind of what I focused on. Uh, they appreciate over time, three to 4% a year. Well, as you get to a 10-year period, that's quite an appreciation. The homes have more than doubled now that I owned uh, when I started. And meanwhile, the rents go up too, and you continue to make more and more rental money. So got that down. And as I was doing these rental homes, I ran across another friend in the technology industry, and we were just chatting. He had some rental homes in the Missouri area. He said, hey, have you ever thought about doing boat and RV storage? I said, why? The rental homes are doing great. I got that model (laughs) down. I'm going to buy more. He goes, uh, because there's very little maintenance associated with the boat and RV storage facility. I said, really, tell me more. Sorry to, and, and they appreciate, too, the land that you buy to start it will go up in value, and that's exactly what's happened with my boat and RV storage business that I'm kind of now morphing away from the traditional rental homes and putting that money into expanding my boat and RV storage facility because 
profit margins are better and there's very little maintenance. There's no air conditioner to go out, no heater to go out. But they still need a safe place that's secure that they can park their their vehicle, whether that's a boat and RV, and that's exactly what I did. And uh, so, but before I decided on doing that, you got to get a good deal on your land. You got to be careful with all your costs, right? So I started thinking, where can I get inexpensive land? Inexpensive land. Well, either far out um, in an undeveloped area, which is what I ended up doing, and then as I also learned from from looking at other land tracks before I bought the one I bought, it's like. If you can get land close to maybe an undesirable area, maybe close to big guide wires, if that land's for sale, you can get that pretty inexpensively because a lot of people don't want to build a residence there mm-hmm. or a business, but it's perfect for boat and RV storage, right? Especially for open parking within within your fence. So I'm looking for inexpensive land. Another thing I learned about finding inexpensive land, and I'm still looking. If I find more, mm-hmm. I'll continue to build more of these facilities, but... um, um maybe buy an existing trailer park out in a county somewhere. Not People don't necessarily want to build a home by there, but that land could be very cheap. And if, you know, a farmer or rancher that owns it, you know, wants to, to make some extra money and wants to sell it, you could, could make an offer to them. So, so inexpensive land is key as long as you, to do boat and RV storage, as long as you secure it with, you know, the right surveillance cameras, which I've done, fencing and gate, make it very, very secure, then over time, there is a huge demand for this business. You will just start filling it up, and that's what I do. And now I'm up to 40 covered units, and I have about 100 open parking customers inside this six-acre property that I own, and it's only about a third developed so far. So I'm just going to keep keep adding to. I've paid it off early. I owe nothing. Uh, the only cost is to build the construction of the new covered units, and then we fill them up and keep building more. Yeah. And you're the second guest that we've had on along the lines of real estate. One was more um, like he did single family homes, but a lot of like bigger apartment complexes. Right. Um, that yeah, Mike did that whole episode and he kind of talked, but it's funny because we actually, he was just in town and we just had this conversation about passive income and for everyone out there listening that may or may not know, or maybe they're wanting to go down the real estate track, but maybe they're not looking to invest in, you know, 14, 15, you know, apartment units or whatever that is. When you were first making that transition, you mentioned that you read a few books and started, you mentioned networking, which is, you know, we've heard that reoccurring theme. So for people out there listening, will you kind of go a little bit more granular on like when you first started getting into it? Like, was it really just for passive income? And if that was it, how did you go about doing it? Were you just doing research on your own? Were you networking with a lot of people? Kind of go into more detail throughout that. Right. How I how I embarked upon it. Well, yeah. um, I had prior to buying my investment properties, the, the rental homes, I had done pretty well in the stock market. And so I took a, I had some really significant gains on a couple stocks. One of them was Monster Energy right after it went public. I, it's unbelievable. Uh, I, I was able to turn $20,000 in 24 months to $340,000. Then I parlayed that into down payments on these homes that I bought. But no, knowing ahead of time, I'm pretty good with numbers. I would run in a spreadsheet, yeah. you know, what what the existing value of the home I'm looking at buying, right? Does it meet the criteria? For me, it was three bedroom, two bath. Those are the easiest to rent. You know, all those things have to be met. For me, it has to be not too far away from where I live. I live in Highland Village, Texas. I want to be able to keep an eye on my assets. Mm-hmm. So it had to be within that area. And then a good school system. Because then you'll have no problem renting or leasing the home. 
So I, I, I did all this on the front end. And also I knew before I bought, before I agreed to, to buy that home, here's another good little tip that I learned. Um, find out what homes are renting for in that neighborhood, similar square footage before you buy it. You know what the mortgage is going to be. You know how much you're going to put down. I put down the minimum 10% at the time. And what the costs are going to be, what the interest rate's going to be, map it out ahead of time. I'm going to make three right when I close on this, I'll make three hundred a month renting it, cash flow profit, or four hundred or five hundred, whatever the number turns out to be. So the key is get a good deal here, put as little down as possible, and then make sure that you're going to have the income or the revenue from the tenant to, to go forward. So it probably all started with just like reading some books on real estate, uh, talking to other investors. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, and then for me, mapping it out ahead of time in a spreadsheet, and then it was like, this is just all low-risk business now. Once once you lay it out in a spreadsheet and see the financials, it's like, I just do more, more, and more. That's why I ended up doing seven of them. I'd have 15 of them by now, but then I morphed in, as I said before, to the storage place, which, because the profit margins are even better, and it requires even less work. Yeah, because so. you're not managing tenants. I know Jacoby uh, had a story that he shared with us on a crazy tenant so i know that was right yeah which... yeah, yeah and i a good good point um i for me it's kind of the 80 20 rule 80 yeah. percent of the rental tenants were great 20 percent, no i had to take one to court they did a bunch of damage and then they hid out and disappeared um found the guy two years later took him to court one and got the damage money back for the damage he created and the rent he owed by just you know taking off and uh, he had an attorney. I just represented myself. I spoke the truth, and the judge favored to me. So there are those situations yeah. where you, you might have to go to court, but there are laws in place. If you're following the terms of the lease and the law, the the the, the judgment's going to side in your favor, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I wasn't worried one bit. Which is kind of crazy that I mean, it's all things that you think through, but when you hear these types of stories, it's like people. I mean, real estate. I always you always hear there's a stat out there that like the top know 95 percent of all millionaires own some sort of real estate so you know it's something that and i've thought about this multiple times and i've talked to with you know one of my mentors mike about this all the time of like getting into real estate or where you should do so it's just interesting and then you got out of that space and went into the boat and you kind of touched on it briefly so you had a friend that came to you and said hey I have this idea. Walk us through that more granularly sure. as well and sure. what you did and the steps you took to go down that direction. Sure, sure, sure. So to get me even more excited to pursue this, after I was already doing the rental homes, that, like I said, that was I had that model down. That, that works and will continue to work. That's a, a good business. But as I, a friend of mine said, you should do boat and RV storage. It's going to be less maintenance. You know, again, as I said before, no air conditioner, no heater to go out race. I basically just, Keep up with the place, you know, if there is grass, have that mode <laughs> and and that's it and su- supply a very secure environment for them. So I knew that the after thinking about that, which a lot of people don't, and then driving around in developed areas to to self-storage places and I just go chat with them. How much is this? How big? Well, sir, the common answer I got was we're 95% full. We're 98% full. These are in developed areas. Everybody's full. And then I, I said, do you have any storage for boat and RVs. I hear that's in high demand. This is from my friend in Missouri. Uh, we don't have that, but the guy down the street does. So I went down there. They're all full. So I go to all these storage places. They're all full. I'm like, ding, ding, ding. I should do this. Mm-hmm. Get some land ahead of development, which is exactly what I did. In Where I live, the development's headed north. It still is. They're running out of land. 
So, right, so I bought way ahead of development, but in a, what I thought was a desirable area uh, by Lake Ray Roberts, it just wasn't developed yet. It's a beautiful lake. I can see it from the land I bought, and I, I, I got the property. Uh, the sales, it was listed with a realtor. It was uh, 8,000 an acre, six acres, $48,000. So I said, I'll take it. I just bought the raw land. Um, um, then I put up uh, initially a two-acre fence and gate and rock to secure it. And uh, very little gravel. It was just I kept the grass mowed, and it was on very hard clay. And people started parking with me for open storage. And that was a good way to generate cash flow, mm-hmm. right, without having to really expend too much other than my the land and the, the gate and the fence. So I built that cash flow up and got more customers. But <clears throat> what I learned over the next few years is most of the people calling me from the website I set up or Craigslist, these were all free to do, easy to do, which I did, learned how to do that. Um, the people that would uh, would, would call and say, hey, do you have covered? You have covered. And about not, started 80 to 90% of the calls started asking for cover. I'm like, I don't, but I'm going to start building it. Yeah. So then I started building the covered ones, and I don't build those. I don't complete the wave of covered units until we fill them, and we fill them in about two months to three months, and I build more. And I just keep moving down the road. Meanwhile, the land, just by appreciation, because it's starting to develop now. Remember when I bought it? It was just prairie land, undeveloped. Now the land has gone up five or six times in value just because just it's the appreciation around you. And it's going to do nothing but continue to go north. So all those above, and I put them in a spreadsheet. I'm like, <laughs> I, no more rental homes. This, this is too good of a business. To, yeah. And that's what I keep expanding. It's the best one I've found to generate passive income. Yeah. I'm sure there are others, but it's the best one I've found. And you were working, correct, throughout this entire? Full, full time, right. Now, so I'd, it had to be passive income. Mm-hmm. When I'd meet with contracts, whatever, it was on the weekend. I didn't build the buildings. I, I would find a contractor. Um, I found the land on the weekend. Just It was a listed piece of real estate. I'd drive up there. I'd drive all over to find the land that would meet my criteria to have this thing built, and everything's worked out. So. Yeah. And you, it's so interesting to hear how like an idea or like a friend coming to you and Steve always tells me this. He's like, always keep your ears peeled. Like you never know who's going to walk in and say like, hey, I have a job or hey, I have this or whatever is going to be around you. Um, But I just wrote something down that I thought was super interesting, but kind of plain as day is just taking customers feedback and evolving. Like you started with just buying the land and hey, this is all full. This is this. And people start coming. Touch on that. And whether that's just in the boat or whether throughout your career, I think there's people out there that might make miss this mistake of like they get feedback, but they might not take it. And it's just like evolving to what your customers demand are to allow you to continue to grow. Yeah. So yeah, so right. So some might view that, hey, just buying this raw piece of land is risky, right? Yeah. But I'd already known just by driving around to other storage facilities, there weren't a lot at the time in the area I bought. But south of me, I would drive and I'd see what are they doing, what are they doing? Maybe how can I make it better? Um, again, the covered units they'd completed were full. They were all leased out. I'm like, to me, it's a low-risk business. I said, if I can't get any rental customers, worst case, right? I can always sell the land, and mm-hmm. I got such a good deal on the land, I'm not going to lose money. So to me, I saw it as no financial risk at all, all upside, and that's exactly what it's ended up being. So I guess with Steve, this Steve, Steve G, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do a lot of financial analysis up front, whether that's a rental home before I buy it, to make sure it's going to work before yeah. I just jump into something from an emotional perspective. Yeah, so, more of an analytical perspective, I guess, is what I use, and then a 
Same with the storage place. I, I run the numbers. I see what I could charge. I see what my costs are. I'm like, this is incredible, incredible barge in business. I should do it. And it's been exactly that. Yeah. Which is something I wish I was more of a numbers person. I feel like I'm maybe it's like the sales in me. I'm more of like a big picture focus. Uh-huh. And my mom's always like budgets and like all that type of stuff. Like it's a it's a big concept, but it definitely when you're investing this much money or you're yeah. trying to grow something, it's you know, definitely something to take into consideration. Yeah. Um, so from you know, building passive income, do you feel like you were always someone that had kind of like an entrepreneurial side of you or were you just going into it of like, Hey, I really just want to have income. Was it something that was kind of driven by retirement or for people out there listening that are maybe they're in the same boat as you, or maybe they're looking to take this real estate thing full time, give advice or like kind of where your headset was when you or your head space was. Right. So I knew I, whenever you work for someone else, a corporation, (laughs) which most of us do, right. (laughs) You work for them, but it's to the benefit of the company. Yeah, you benefit if you make your number and you have to, or you're not going to keep your job. Um, but it's it's nothing you end up owning at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I I knew there was a way to build passive income by owning assets. In this case, real estate. And then I I had I I would lay them out in a spreadsheet and just keep repeating what worked. And that's how I ended up having seven, and they all made money. I didn't lose money through the 08 problems or any of that. It's just Steady income because I was in, again, good school area. So I just, and I would constantly update my spreadsheet monthly because every month that the tenant makes the payment, you build more equity in that asset that you own, that rental, and just build it up and then project it out. I'm like, this is going <laughs> to, I want to keep doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to have issues with tenants sometimes, but it's worth getting through that because down the road, this asset's going to double or triple in value. Mm-hmm. Same with the rental rates. And meanwhile, my initial cost is way down here. So, um, and, and, and the, the boat and RV storage is just another form of this passive income real estate. It works in the same way I'm renting spaces just for a much higher profit margin per square foot with boat and RV storage. When I compare it financially to the, to the rental home business. And, uh, the boat and RV storage now has enough income, passive income generating. It got me retired out of technology, which is something I wanted. Yeah. Um, probably, probably could have done it even sooner <laughs> if I didn't have two undergraduate daughters to get through. But it was worth it. They did mm-hmm. great, and uh, but it was it's expensive as everybody knows. So I just didn't want them to have a bunch of debt. So now it's work that again the income's up enough that this is all I need to do. Or I can invest it in further in other real estate, which I'll do too. Yeah. But I get up when I want. I meet when I want. I do what I want. I go to college football games. It's great. That's something funny that you touch on too, because I, I think there's a lot of people out there that resonate with, you know, I'm in this corporate job, but maybe it's not where I want to be, or it's not something that's aligning with a passion or where I want to go, or I want to work for myself. I know those are all feelings that I've had, you know, multiple times since I've been in the corporate world of like, and this is exactly why I started the podcast. So I just think it's interesting that there's always those common things of like you are working for someone else, but you don't have that. Or eventually, if you want to go a different direction, I mean, for us in sales, it's like, yeah, you're hitting a number, all this stuff, but it is very rigorous right? when you can just go out there and start something else or enter in a market that you're a spreadsheet away if you listen. To right, <laughs> right. Well, but with right, we, right, you understand the difference, passive income asset, which is what I've developed versus you got to be active here. Yeah. You know what that is like to make that number. 
be active, that never ends, right? Mm-hmm. Over here, it's like I can now I can get up whatever time I want in the morning because this is going to keep making money. Over here, you have to be involved for it to make, to make money. money. And I like this side. I like less work and more money. That's what I like. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, as you get older, too, it's like your energy declines, your um, and everything is elsewhere. And Mike said that exact same thing. He's he always makes a joke about like hard work and stuff like that, which I know he works hard, but it is kind of just like the proof is in the pudding. You right. know what I mean? It's like once you start building and you go this direction and you also said something, too, about starting sooner. Is that something for a, a lot of people out there? And Nick touched on this in the last episode, like. If you're thinking about it, you probably should have done it yesterday. Yes. Like today is too late. Touch on that from your perspective. Yeah. Had I known what I know now and what I just, I know I shared very high level. Yeah. Um, kind of the math or the thoughts I used to do this and the model worked, right? Now that I've seen that, if, had I done it sooner, I'd have even triple, quadruple what I have now from a net worth perspective or growth of that business. Have I started it early? Because the boat and RV storage business, there is a huge demand for it. Again, remember, in all the developed areas, if you walk in now, they're going to be 90, 95% full. You may not even be able to park your RV or boat. Yeah. Right? And that's what I'm seeing, and I'm way far north. Ahead of development, it's coming more. But but as soon as I build those things, they fill just because, again, the huge demand. So I'm just meeting a market demand, basically. Yeah. And I own the asset and collect the rental income from that asset. It's a great business. And it's funny that you're saying, like, if what everyone says that, we're like, if I know what I know now, I would have done it sooner. And yes. that's like why I love this platform is because whether you're, you know, in college or, you know, I had one of my friends, uh, little brother that went to Mike and asked for advice on like real estate because he wanted to get into it. I'm like, that's the perfect thing about this platform is like, you're here, you know, if you're out there in 48K, I guess for land, that was what, eight years ago? Yeah. 48, uh, 11 years ago. Yeah. And now it's gone up five or six fold. Yeah. Again, there was, I don't know why, but they're building million-dollar estates right across the street from my storage place. I mean, I was there first. I'm in the county. But but they're doing it. They're running out of large land tracks, and they're buying it. It's a beautiful area. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just benefiting from that coming around me now. Yeah. So I, and and uh, that's, that's a great rule if you're going to do this. I could repeat the same thing 10 miles further up the interstate. Yeah. And the, it would fill up, and it would act just like this one did where I'm at because there's a huge demand for this business. And I don't know if you'll have the answer to this for people that are maybe not. I mean, I know there's people listening to this podcast that are all over the United States. From your perspective, do you feel that it's very regional? Like if you're referring to Texas, like we're in Dallas. Um, do you think, I guess it's just doing market research and like right. understanding where you're at. And I mean, your friend was in Missouri and he was seeing the same right. type of spike. So he told me, he said yeah. kind of what I'm repeating. He said, It'll blow your mind. He's had people store items, and I'll share some of the things. Antique motorcycles outside in the store. And I'm like, outside, they just don't get rid of their things. I'm like shaking my head. I'm like, what? And I found that to be the case. Yeah. I've had Formula One race cars in secured trailers park with me. I've had antique uh, uh, trucks, uh, uh, high-speed race cars. I've had... 53-foot trailers and trucks, kind of away from the other stuff, but I have the room to do that. There's just a whole variety of that sort of And here's something else that's happened, and I didn't expect it to. Um, One of my customers passed away. I just hadn't gotten his payment. He normally would pay on a 
Aww. on a consistent basis. And um, then his son called me about three months later and said, oh, my father had passed. I said, I'm so sorry. He, his name was Pat. He had some things. I said, I tell you what, you know, he owed three months. I said, you can just, you're a son. You just, here's the gate code. You can just come get it. You don't know anything. He yeah. was great. Okay, I'll, I'll go. This was like a Thursday. I'll never forget this. Um, I gave him the gate code. He went up there Saturday, checked the things out. There was a, a, a jet boat on a trailer. It was in decent condition and a 1964 Ford truck. And he calls me Saturday and says, well, you're very nice to let me get in your facility. I don't really don't want those vehicles, that boat, and that truck. You're welcome to have it. I'm like, what? I go, I don't have the titles. I don't keep the titles. He goes, that's okay. You, you can have it. I don't, I don't want to mess with it. And I ended up just selling it later for thousands of dollars for cash because they didn't want the, the, the boat and the, the truck. They saw no value in it. They didn't want to screw with selling it. Aww. Which this is something I never expected yeah. to happen, but it's kind of a positive that someone chose to do that. And, uh, yeah. and again, I was willing to let them take it off the lot, you know, at no charge. So, yeah. Anyway. When you do good to other people, good things happen to you. Good point. That yeah, is the that reminder is I needed today. That's true. That's true. Yeah. It's such an interesting, I was, again, like I keep bearing up my, but I was telling him about this. I'm like, I'm going to interview someone. I'm so excited. He has his boat in RV because it's such a, it's something that you think like, duh, like everyone <laughs> has to have it. But even when you and I first had a conversation about it, I'm like, that's so interesting that that there's such a high demand for it, but there's a lot of places I know in Ohio that like some neighborhoods don't allow you to have right. the RV in the driveway or you can't have the right. boat in the driveway. So it's like, where are you going to put that stuff? Or if you just right. don't want it in your, you just want to out of sight, out of mind type of thing. Exactly. I mean. Yeah, so yeah. So the, the whole gamut and yes, they need a secure place. And so I, I make my lots very secure and I've added multiple surveillance cameras and I tell my prospective customers and, they sign most of them sign up with me once they hear that and then i said i've got it probably 120 customers uh, today on the on the lot behind the fence i said most of them have been with me for five or more years i said if there was a problem they'd leave yeah so they keep i i keep adding more customers i don't lose customers yeah so you got to make it secure um buy ahead of development you're not going to lose on your land i view it as very low risk it's Again, a great passive income, whether you want maybe more free time out of the corporate world or uh, getting to an age like we talked about before. Well, hey, I'm not going to work forever yeah. full time in a corporation. What, what, have I, what have I got to replace that? Well, I'd, I've been building this up for 10 years and now it's like to a point where it's kind of running on its own and I just grow it. Yeah. So uh, highly recommend doing it. It doesn't take a lot of time. All of us are so busy. I had to find things that didn't take a lot of time. Yeah. You know, I, and I, I, I didn't always want to be working seven days a week, right? Because I had my full-time job. Um, so uh, this and, and rental homes are two of the better things I've come across. Yeah. Well, real estate, you really. Yeah, just another form of real estate. Yeah. Everyone touches on it or says if you're trying to big well, build wealth, get into real estate. I know right now the real estate market is hot especially in dallas it's Super crazy hot. for people out there you know if you're if this is something that you feel like you could touch on if there's people out there that are maybe wanting to invest in the dallas market or this is a thought that you're having what would be your recommendation on getting into it right waiting maybe you're like i don't want to give advice i think it's a i i think it's always a good time just 
do your upfront work. Yeah. Let's. I would recommend starting with a rental home. Figure that out. Start learning how to deal with tenants. This is something you want to continue. Keep buying more. Just stick to your model so you never get ahead of yourself. You don't want to overpay for a piece of property. You know, you just keep doing your homework. Be, be a good negotiator. And run that spreadsheet ahead of time. And, and it's the model should work in a positive way in North Texas. Even though things have shot up, there are so many people and companies still moving here. I mm-hmm. think the real estate's got a still a five five plus more year run. Land goes up too the same way. So there are so many ways to slice this. Again, what what I did with with the boat and RV storage, I got I want to get cheap land as possible. So I bought way ahead of development, yeah, way out in the middle of nowhere, but by a cool area, the lake. I'm like, this will develop in time, and now it's happening. Yeah. So that was right too, and I benefit from that, and it doesn't take much. Now I just basically just sign people up, and uh, it doesn't take a lot of time, and uh, it generates a lot of monthly income. You were more long-term focused than short-term focused, which I feel like is something in you. I see this a lot in the corporate world is like people wanting to make decisions of like, I need this now, 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 or like money right now versus yours was like, okay, I mean, you were stable. You were putting a roof over your family's head. You're like, how can I build longer-term wealth and invest in myself long-term? And now you've kind of see those fruits and it's something that you were a lot of advice on is just like, be patient, you know? plant seeds now or invest in certain mm-hmm. areas. It might not look that great right now, but in 10 or 12 years, it's going to go the direction that you want it to. You just have to be patient. Exactly. And in North Texas, those single family homes on the average that, that I owned have more than doubled in appreciation. And that's all upside to the owner, mm-hmm. to the landlord, right? I get all that. So when I sell that, I get all that back at closing. And I just sold one last year in Flower Mound and took a huge check back basically due to appreciation and made all this money renting it the whole time. You know, you know, you've got, you've got expenses, right? You got to keep up with it, but that's part of it. You still make money. Yeah. And it's just real estate. And that's, that's one way to slice it. Some people go higher end. I know our other friend, Steve, he started out with investment, a couple of investment properties and he bought more expensive than I did. I went a little medium price, but in great school areas, you know, and I, I kept my stuff close. He, some of his were further out so he had maybe more things to deal with than than i but i like when i buy an asset i like to keep it somewhat close in case something happens you can check on it Mm -hmm. have good service to your tenant or your customer um and let them know too i'm close if something i'm close so if something were to look right you know i'd be close and uh it it worked out really well yeah and i i know i shared kind of a negative experience with back to the rental homes, but there's a lot of positive ones too. I had a, a, a nice woman put in a laminate wood floor cause she didn't like carpet. And she goes, you care if I do that? I said, I don't mind, but I'm not paying for it. Yeah. And just let me know what it's going to look like before. And she did. And she put one in and, and, and then, you know, when she moved on, that was my, she improved the value of my asset. So good things can happen with this too. You yeah. Know? <laughs> He took the name of the podcast, the pop podcast. And I know you, (laughs) I think sometimes we highlight like Jacoby highlighted on, you know, some stories that maybe weren't as positive or, you know, something that went bad. But as you've kind of gone through journeys throughout your career, and this is a question that I ask everyone that's your age, because I know for me personally, when you're going through your twenties or you're getting started out, or maybe you're in your thirties and your Mm forties and you're like, okay, I'm in this corporate job, but I'm like you, I want something else. Were there times along the way that you had mishaps or there was failures or there was some sort of 
and maybe you made a wrong decision or made a bad investment. And then what did you do after that to correct the issue? Or how did you pivot yourself through that? Good question. I would say when I, my first rental home, I wasn't um, tough enough on who I leased to. I kind of took the first or second. I was so excited. Yeah. The people that came through the door that wanted to do it. And I should have done some more background checking on how did they take care of the prior property they rented physically? I learned this later. You know, these are things you can do to screen potential tenants. And then one of them, I was in two, this is early on. I, I put another, I, I had another rental home and I, I, I just really liked them, but I should have checked them out further. And they ended up causing some damage to the property and having some issues paying on time and all that stuff, which is just more work for me, which I don't really, I tell them, I say, you're really not going to see me much unless there's an issue, right? Yeah. Um, either you have an issue that I need to resolve, which I will do because I live 10 minutes away, right? Or maybe you're not paying on time or you're not taking care of my property or you're not more than, you know, if you're seeing me a lot, we probably have an issue. Yeah. That's how I would be. I'm not. And it, and like I said earlier before, it's 80, 20, 80% of the people were great. Took very good care of my property. I got it back in good condition in some cases better. And then there's a few that go a little go south on you, but regardless, the asset still goes up in value. Mm -hmm. You just might have an expense that you weren't expecting to fix things up if, if they did some damage, but that asset just keeps, keeps, keeps going up. Yeah. And, it, and again, and, and again, I, I, again, for me, I have everything on the spreadsheet and <laughs> it, it'll work out. <laughs> <laughs> the spreadsheet. And you remind me of another guest that he used like in a franchise and he's like, I did X, Y, Z, like, so like detail oriented. Yeah. So into the spreadsheet, all this type of stuff. And then you'll have another guest like Mike, who's like, not that he doesn't know what a spreadsheet is, but like, he doesn't go by the spreadsheet. Uh -huh. So it's just so interesting, like the different <laughs> personalities and it's, kind of like there's so many, you know, I'm a certain way and there's other people out there that are different than me and there's not like a right or a wrong way to go into stuff like this. I think that's, you know, you hear a lot of times like people are fearful to go into something and a lot of people don't just do, they say like, oh, I want to get into real estate or, oh, I want to do this, but they never actually do it. And I right. think, you know, real estate is one of those that you need capital with right. some points or you need an investor. So there's a little bit more of a barrier to Good entry. Point. Good point. And that again, in corporate America, right? That yeah. helped me get to where, and then it also invest in some stocks that did very well. I was very mm -hmm. blessed. And then, but I took those gains, right? Either money I'd save from my, my corporate job or from some stock gains on a couple. And then I use those as down payments on the real estate. Mm -hmm. But, but again, knowing ahead of time, what everything projecting out, I knew what the appreciation rate was on single family homes in North Texas. It's public information, right? You map that out in, in your spreadsheet these are going to be worth X and that's exactly what it ended up happening. And, and then to me, once I do that, the fear goes away. I'm like, okay, well, if I still had the rental, when I had the rental homes, okay, well, all right. So they tore up a laminate wood floor. Okay. Well, they'll have to pay, pay it back. You know, don't get mad about it. The asset still continues to go right. up, 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 regardless of what, even if you get a bad tenant. So it's worth doing is what I'm saying. Yeah. And it's very logical. Yes. Very just in this. If it's this, then it's this. Which is, <laughs> I like the black and white. I think sometimes people have that, or you know, this is something that I've like. Well, what if I invest this and it doesn't work out, or what if this? But when you're really mapping it out, it's like I mean, the chances of it going 
totally awry or a lot less than it going really well. And the risk associated with that is, right. you know, right. greater. You'll hear people. I, I run across people. Oh, I tried rental homes. That wasn't for me. It's, they really tore up my place or whatever. And and I go, I didn't say anything, but that's that's an area where, okay, do more due diligence on who you lease to. If you've got a decent setup, that's your asset, your property. So be picky on who you lease to. And a lot of those horror stories would go away or that person hadn't mapped out this. I know our other friend, Steve, he did this, but he wasn't as spreadsheety as I was. I would, I'd shared it with him. He just didn't want to look. I go, dude, this asset's going to keep, keep, keep going up. Even if you have problems and you put very little down, look, look how much you, he just didn't want to really see that side of it. Yeah. You know? And and maybe he just, it, it's not for everybody, but it worked for me. So. Yeah. And he did well, even when he sold the investment properties he had. He just had some challenges with tenants, I know, probably tougher than most. Yeah. And he said something to me that he's like, Steve is, and you guys are both named Steve, so this could be confusing. Um, The Steve across from me right now is always very curious and he always asks questions and like is always interested of like what other people are doing or what's out there. And he said, that's one thing about Steve that I always appreciated. And Nick on last week's episode who sold a company for you know, a large sum of money has done really well, still an entrepreneur. His main thing of like the top three characteristics he sees in successful people is curiosity. I'm going to ask you that same question because I find it interesting. And it was something that Steve said that you're a very curious person. Touch on that, that a little bit. Do you think, do you see the same thing in other people around you that are successful? I I, I think so. I just, if I want to learn this is just to me it's common sense i've always done this my whole life if i want to learn something from someone i'm going to go to the expert i'm going to go to someone yeah. with experience I did say that. so that will that will for me warrant all kinds of questions because if i'm going to do this i want it to be successful i want it to work right because i want to put some time and some money into this and but then if i find out that it's not working it doesn't look like the, the money i thought then I'll, I, it prevents me from making a bad investment so yes i tons of questions and, and I just, I like, I like most people, everybody's got a really interesting walk in life and I like to learn about their walk because it's different than mine. Yeah. And then they may ask about mine and, uh, we may line up on some things and we both get better in the process. That's kind of how I look at things. Yeah. We, we seem like we're very, that's how I am. <laughs> I always get it. Cause you never know who you're going to walk across. And it's, I know. it's always the, like, even your thing. I literally remember calling Mike right after I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have a genius idea for you. Like, you need to call this guy. <laughs> it's such an interesting thing that mm-hmm. you just don't hear about. And until mm-hmm. someone's gone out and, you know, and you always hear, we talk about this at work of like, you don't want to be the guinea pig. Like you don't want to be the first one doing something. Right. Cause there's that fear of like, okay, if I'm the first one, this has never been done before. Like no one wants to be the quote unquote right. test dummy, right. but it's just so interesting that you meet people that are, and it always comes out of an idea like yours, like a friend was like, Oh yeah, go into bar, boat and RV storage. And you're like, right. what? I've never right. heard of that. And here you are. Right. And I'll tell you what else I did. Just here's my curiosity thing. So I'm like, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this. So I would go to independent boat and RV storage facilities or self storage mm-hmm. and, and ask, could I speak with the owner? And I would just be straight up. I say, look, I'm, I'm not going to build one. I'm thinking of building one of these. Not in your area. I wouldn't do that. I said, further up the road by Lake Ray Roberts, is, I, if, you, if you help me, I'm not going to compete with you, is what I told the person. And I said, could you give me some pointers? You obviously have a great facility yeah. here. It's very full. It's nice. You're doing phenomenal. You can just do the math and figure out how much they were making a month. It was incredible. It was exceeding $80,000 a month. Um, and I said, could you... 
give me some pointers on how you started. And sure, the guy sat down with me for coffee for 20 minutes and just gave me all these pointers. And I said, I really appreciated it and uh, didn't have to do this, but I've given him some, I found out where he and his wife like to go to dinner, some dinner gift cards as a thank you. And then I just keep him posted on, you know, my progress and he's glad for me and we've become friends. And if someone came to me, like kind of like we're doing here, I would be happy to share. So. That's the, it's crazy how every single person I've interviewed has always the same common themes. Like you're a networking, which Steve Jacoby, the other Steve talked about that all the time. Yeah. Network, 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 and just walk up to people. I think yeah. I actually saw, it was a video that he had sent me um, on TikTok that was talking about like most successful people just ask the question, like out of a place of curiosity, like, Hey, how did you get into this? Mm-hmm. And I have never to this day when I've asked a question from a place of curiosity of like, Hey, how'd you do this? Someone be rude and not share with me does that mean they're going to invest in you or like really, really help you? No, but it's not like they're not going to share how they did it or at least give you the time of day. It's so interesting because I've always been fearful of like asking or like even asking for guests like, hey, want to be on all this stuff? But 90% of people and 99% of people want to help others and want right. to share what they do. you've been doing for the last 10 years. Someone helped me the same way. I don't, I, I like, I ask questions and I figured I'm like, that's something I could do. Yeah. That, that's not that expensive if I buy here and do this and keep refining it. And yeah, it works. And I, it, here's another funny story along those lines. Um, there's a gentleman who, uh, when I would refinance my rental homes, when I had more of those or when um, I would buy new ones, I would always go to his title company to close. I got to know him. Mm-hmm. His first name is Mark. Great guy. Well, he saw me buy this land by Lake Ray Roberts that I now have my storage facility. And so we're kind of friends. And what do you, what you doing with the land? And I started telling him, I'm going to do boat and RV storage. You know, there's, you know, I've done the rental homes that that model works. I mean, he, he saw me when I would buy those homes through him or sell them through him. And, uh, I said, yeah. And he said, uh, I'm going to do this. And, uh, if you have an interest in it, I, I think it, this is before it just kind of really took off. I said, if you have an interest in it, I'd be happy to show you and share with you my model model if you have an interest and sure enough uh after i got it going about five years i took mark we we just we met on the weekend up there and i showed him all about my place and how the numbers and what my thought process was how to buy it now he's buying a storage facility on his own and he's just a friend but i someone shared with me so i shared with him and there's plenty of business it's he's not going to compete with me yeah and uh, i helped a friend and uh, now he's thinking of retiring too. He's about two years into his, and it's doing very well too because the demand is phenomenal for this. So, looks like I need to go find myself some land after this podcast. Uh, if I was your age, I wish I knew what I knew. I would just <laughs> do it with you. You can partner with people. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to do it, but the the numbers work. And I'd be happy to to yeah. show you my facility if you'd like to see it. I'll tell you everything I I know. I've always wanted to get into real estate, but I've always been the, I'm like the, I always tell people, are you going to say, you know, say less, do more. I guess Mm -hmm. it's different when you're investing a large sum of money, Um, but it is just, there's so many things out there. And I like how you two did something not out of the box, but in of like just going straight to the source and asking people Mm -hmm. like that are right down the street, like, Hey, how is this going? I think a lot of people might not do that or whether it's books or whatever it is, why not just go straight to the source that's having success? Right. If they're at 98% capacity, they're doing something right. Right. 
or the top salesperson on mm-hmm. the team. Hey, what are you doing? You know, the manager's always wanting to spread those positive traits with the other team members, right? Everybody does better. Or I would go to them. It's the same thing. Hey, what are you doing here? You always learn by talking to other people and asking questions. And, and hopefully they learn from me too, from my experiences and we all get better. So it's a different, it's a serving mindset over, I think sometimes in the corporate world or, you know, from my experiences, it can be kind of competitive. Like, Oh, if I share this, then what is that person going to do? Or like, Oh, but you seem to be very like, Hey, take this for what it is and off you go, which is admirable because ever there's success for everyone. Right. 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 It's the, we might've said it, or maybe I'm saying it. I believe in good karma and I believe in bad karma. And there's, there's both out there. Right. I, I like the good karma. So if I do something nice, something good always comes back my way. Yeah. Right. And hopefully I stay away from the bad karma stuff, but I've seen that in other people and it comes back to bite them too. Yeah. Play straight, keep the karma good, and <laughs> things will work out, especially in real estate. Yeah. And get your boat stored with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Duh, no, that's another thing. So I'm, I'm by, so I'm thinking, okay, I can see Lake Ray Roberts from my property. That was intentional. I'm like, it's really pretty. And uh, so I'm going to, ha- obviously, as that, that, that marina grows and like expands and develops, I'm going to get more customers. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. It's just com- a lot of common sense, I think. I think a lot of people just don't think about it. I didn't until I owned the rental homes. Then I met another guy who'd already done the storage. I would have never thought of it. And then I said, why? I'm this, this rental home thing's working. He's more profit, less maintenance. Come tell me more. And it's exactly the things that there's no air conditioner to go out. There's no dishwasher to go out. No, that's on the landlord. There's none of that needed in a boat and RV storage place. And you still have a piece of real estate land that's going to appreciate as things develop around it. And again, exactly what happened. Yeah. And, and it, I- you can do it inexpensively like I did further out from development. Now it's going to take you a little longer to fill that, but eventually you will. And, uh, because of the shortage of these places. So, yeah. And it's, I mean, if you're around a lake, it's a no brainer. Right. 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 And another thing too, you'd mentioned before. So, if you build these in a city and that's fine, there are plenty in a city, but they may not want additional ones being built. They may have restrictions. We have enough. Like I think Louisville, you can't get permits for any new storage facility, self storage. They feel they have enough. So I couldn't build in there or start there anyway. Mm-hmm. I had to go out and I ended up going in the County, Denton County. There just aren't as many restrictions and uh, you can do things a lot more, a lot less expensively when you don't have those restrictions and, um, and I did. And, uh, and now I'm still not within a city, but if it comes to me, that's fine. You know? Um, but for this business, you don't have to be. Yeah. So, and you just asked a question of why, and, you, we've I've heard multiple times of just putting yourself into rooms that you if you had never gone into real estate like the rental homes you might not have ever heard of this. I don't think so. Right. I'm looking back at how it happened. Then, yeah. then, I would have never thought about it. And it, but then once he told me, then I like I said I started going to places, you know, not far from my home and in, in in south of me and in, in Louisville or Flower Mound, the ones that are, you know, tell me what you got. How much do you make? And okay, how many units do you have? Okay. And then, uh, can I see a contract? Just a second. I didn't look at the contract. Wow, it's pretty, pretty detailed contract. You know, what's involved, and uh, 
by the way, is, do you have any room for my 33-foot Winnebago I just said I had, and, and uh, which I didn't at the time, but I've actually bought one later. But um, And uh, so we've got one more slot. We're very full. I'm like, wow. This, then the light went off and said, I'm going to do this. This is a good low-risk business that makes money, and it's exactly what happened. Yeah. I know. It's so crazy how things work out, and we talk about it all the time because I'm all about, you know, where are you at mentally or how can you think about things positively or like, where do you want to go? I think it's easy to get stuck down a track of like, you're in the corporate world or this is where I want to go and not just keep your options open and like keep your eyes peeled because you really never know. My friends make fun of me because I was getting conversations about business like at the bar or wherever. They're like, you're always asking people. I'm like, yeah, because you never know who you're going to run into. That could be your next business venture, could be your next boss or could be your next whatever it is. You just never know who's going to be sitting across the room from you. Exactly. (laughs) And yes. And like I said, everyone's walk a different path and everyone's got an interesting story to tell and you can learn from everybody. Yeah. You can. And I have. I don't have the answers, but I know where the people that have done it or the smart people are and I'll go ask them questions to get get smarter too so yeah Ron said that same thing he's like I might not know how to do it or I keep referencing names as if you know these people Um, but he was another one like with franchising he's like I didn't know a lot of the answers but I knew who I could go to to ask those answers Mm -hmm. or if I needed to build something I had a guy that could do it which I think is just another you know overall learning lesson of like if you don't know you can always go and figure it out but that's not a reason to not go do something you can always figure that out along the way or just continue to take those steps forward exactly exactly and I, I'll share, this is a really cool, well, I, I told you a range, and uh, I, I'm, not, I'm nowhere near this, but have the potential to be this. Um, so I met another, this was after I'd owned my storage facility, I met another owner through a friend of mine who I worked in the technology space. He had retired, but he was working part-time at this storage facility in Louisville. And he told me the area where it was at, it's about three acres, I said, is is it is it all covered on the three acres? Yeah, all covered. It's been there a while. And uh, I go, this was without even knowing. And I said, um, my guess is you're 90 to 95% full. He goes, 97% full. I go, oh, okay. And I go, can you tell me roughly what you think the monthly income is off the end? You, is it, you think it's paid off? He goes, oh, yeah, the, the guy that owns it lives in a very – Expensive area in, in Dallas. You would you would know where he lives. And uh, the, the Island Park. <laughs> the the in, there's no everything's paid off. There's no expense because he sees the numbers. This yeah. guy. He makes over eighty thousand a month from this three acre fully filled out facility. And that's a lot of money. That's that's uh for passive income. That's I'm a taking that paycheck. <laughs> passive that just keeps going. Now he's filled out, right? But talk about I'm like, that's the business, passive business income business I want to be in and here we are so and it all started with an investment a lot I mean I'm sure he invested probably what 10 or 15 years ago I think timing has a lot to do with it which is not something that I want to overlook but I think you know the point of this podcast and the overall theme in general is like a keep moving forward and b if you're thinking about going into this mm-hmm. you're a great resource if it, there's anyone out there that's whether it's going into you know boating facilities or any type of real estate you're giving a very different type of approach to real estate than we've had on the podcast before you're more analytical and it's not like you haven't had a lot of the things that you're saying are common 
but you're just more like analytical, more detail oriented, which I think is going to appeal to someone else that's more numbers driven or like, you know, I'm putting this in the spreadsheet. How do you know if this makes sense or what to do those type of things that I've yet to hear through yet? Well, so some of the other real estate people that you've spoken to kind of how to can you share with what they did a little bit? Yeah. So like Mike is, he's, yeah. So Mike, he was on the episode before and he, like I mentioned before the podcast did the um, apartment. He wasn't as, he didn't go into depth like you did on like the analytical part of it, but he was just more high level about, you know, if you want to go do something, go do it. He wanted to leave the corporate world far early. He said this exact same thing as you. If I knew what I knew now, mm-hmm. I would have done it sooner. Because now that I'm seeing everything and I'm not having to work a corporate job, I'm not having to do that. So that was his, you know, main point to get across was like, just go out and do it. But I do like to hear from your point of view, because I think there's a lot of people, I mean, my mom's super number driven. There's a lot of people that are very detail oriented, like, like to have that, you know, I want to see X amount within two years or whatever it is. So they're more thought out than right mike is so right did it did his work out though what he yeah did? yeah good. yeah he's done really well good. yeah good yeah yeah there that's again for me real estate there are so many ways to slice it i mean i've even scratched the surface but you know you like i said you could buy higher end investment properties and flip them people are good at that um you can get burn on that too right if you overpay for so i was always thinking okay I wanted, if I did rental homes and same with the storage, I wanted entry level things. I don't want high end things. I want wide markets that will fill my rental homes or a wide market that'll park their RV and boats in my storage facility, right? There's the markets there to support that. So that's kind of, that's kind of the angle of real estate I went into is, is that entry level. And there's this kind of cliche phrase I learned from a friend of mine a long time ago in the technology space. And it, but it's true. So what he told me was sell to kings, dine with pawns, sell to pawns, dine with kings, the consumer based wide market appeal, entry level businesses, right? Your margin and chance of success are higher if you're serving those bigger, wider entry level markets versus you sell to kings, they're the best negotiators. They're going to grind you down on your profit mm-hmm. margin. This happened a lot in the, the computer technology space, right? You're selling a multi-million dollar computer system to an executive, an IT executive, or a CEO. They're going to try to grind you for the best deal possible. So they're going to take, take, take that margin out. Mm-hmm. Whereas you sell to the pawns entry level, there's not a lot of discussion on margin and beating you down on your profit margin. Are you with me? Yeah. So those markets, to me, lower your risk as a business person to making that investment as compared to going with high-end stuff. I stay away from the high-end because if that doesn't go right, if I buy a million-dollar investment yeah. property, how many people can afford to rent that thing? You know, It's much smaller than someone that can rent my quarter-million-dollar home in Flower Mound, right? Or That's right. I have a, I have not heard that phrase before, but I do like that. And it's just kind of going back to, I heard, um, I don't know if it's a TV show or where I heard it the other day, or probably honestly from talking to someone on the podcast, I was talking about a lot of those billion dollar ideas are just everyday things. I heard one that was like car, car mats. And I think we overthink these ideas. Like we have have to revolutionary idea of this and it has to be the brand new thing. When in reality, it's like, if you're appealing to the vast majority of not everyone in a market right. 
the chance for success is a lot higher than going in super high and only appealing to a certain amount of people because you're already cutting that number in half. That's correct. And that's probably why a bank's right. They're, they know, they know all this, mm-hmm. all this financial stuff much more than I, they're not going to, they're going to, they're going to lend or it's much easier to get a mortgage for an entry level home than that million dollar one. Right. They're going to be a lot tougher on that because that guy in five years could, could decline big time. Whereas these entry levels don't. And I found that even in the tough times, remember the mortgage crisis in 07 and 08 when everything was getting mm-hmm. slammed and my rental incomes, they just kept steadily. I never took a hit and the appreciation never really got knocked down. It, it didn't go up a lot, but it, I didn't get hammered. You can get hammered on those expensive real yeah. estate investments that might go south on you. I like so, that tip. And it, so, and, and it worked. I mean, it worked. It all worked out. And uh, like I said, it, it, it got me in a position to retire. I'm, I'm still working. I'm running that business, but it takes very little time. And now I can do a lot more things that I want to do for fun. So Yeah. Freeze up time. Put your work in when your work is due. <laughs> yeah. Sales for 30 years or however long yeah. it is a long time. Here's another good, good little, this is a little thing, but it adds up over time. So we like the vacation. I'd take my family to Destin, Florida or Fort Lauderdale. We, we went one year, the West Coast, right? You can deduct your expenses or I think half your expenses legally from that vacation trip if you're actively looking at real estate or investment property, which I always do. So that's a legal expense. You're actively using that time, that flight, those expenses, that hotel, to look at real estate in the Destin, Florida area. Um, and that's another write-off you could take against the income of your, of your, uh, corporate business or your, your real estate business. So just little things, but they add up over time, right? You have to actively look at it. It has Mm -hmm. to be a true expense, but it's deductible off your income. And why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Just those kind of things. So combine a nice vacation with also a little real estate search. Just being smart. Any other, you see, these are two that I've not heard before. Okay. Those are little tips for all our real estate. I know Mike's episode did, did so well, and there there's a lot of people out there listening to this that are super into real estate. It's something hot. Yeah. It's something that it's not a, a genius revolution. I mean, it's no. always, and there's always money going to be in it. It's the thing that we were just talking about at work yesterday. Like they were talking about investing in ranches and getting land. I mean, it's way out. Like mm-hmm. I don't even know where their land is, but they're just talking about like the more acres, buying more acres, buying more acres. So it's just so interesting that it's something people are always thinking about and yes. always trying to get into. Yes. Um, again, so many ways to slice it. Um, and, and again, I listen to other, other people that, that have, have done real estate. And so I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't have done this, the boat and RV storage had I not talked to a friend who was kind of doing a similar thing that I was already doing, but, and they happened to be in the technology industry. Um, so it, it worked out just the, the curiosity thing kind of got that going. So, yeah, I know. I like that. And curiosity is something hard. It feels forced if you're not, if it's not coming from a place of like genuine curiosity, right. you can just tell like sitting across from that you you know, we're genuinely curious and you wanted to know. And I encourage everyone out there to just go and ask. Like right. you've said it. Every other guest has said, it. if someone comes up to me or someone calls me, I'm going to answer their phone call and I'm going to help them. Or if they ask for help, right? it's just going out and doing that. And just, you know, it's hard sometimes to just pick up the phone and call <laughs> or ask someone, but 
when you just do it, there's a lot of people out there that want to help and want to encourage, especially young people. Mm-hmm. And most times, I don't know if you can agree with this and then we'll start to wrap it up of like helping other people not make the same mistakes that you've made in your past, which I know is a lot of the reason I started this podcast was just like, I, there's things I've done that I wish you know I wouldn't have done or talking to people like you that I want everyone else to hear so they don't make those same mistakes. So right. I think what I like most about it is that I'm in total control. I'm not, mm. when you work for someone else, you're not in control. Yes. The Best company part can go of out of business. They can move, give that territory to someone else for all kinds of reasons, right? Some of it's merit, some of it's political. That's just life, right? But oh. my business, I decide, you know, <laughs> who who comes in my storage facility. I decide the hours I want to work <laughs> because it's a passive business. It's just, I, it's total freedom, basically, for me. And uh, people say, how do you like being, you know, out of the technology space? I said, I, I miss it. Great people. But I said, the only person I answer to now with my storage facility is my, are my customers and myself. It's much better. I prefer working for myself. Passive income, which some corporate jobs don't pay. A lot of people don't make that when you're investing and doing stuff like right. this. And you have control over your own destiny, exactly. which is the key to it all. Exactly. I'm probably making well, and right, corporate. You you're done it. You you know you, you make a good income, right? And it's it's high demand. You you got to produce, right? And that's fine. That's that's yeah. the deal, right? Um, and and I I made good money, but now I have my storage facility at about half of the income I made working full time in corporate. But that's enough now that mm-hmm. I can I can live off this, and then I've still had my savings to make other investments to grow this business, and so I I, I don't. I don't, I could work, continue to work in that field. I just don't need to. And I love the freedom. Yeah. Uh, And I, who knows what I'll do next. This is fun. Just being a guest. Yeah. (laughs) I like this. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. It's such a conversation. Like people come on they're like, well, that was so much more fun. I'm like, yeah, it's not an interview. You're just sharing like your life story and where you came from and where you're going. But if I might take the control part out and put it at the beginning because it's so interesting when you really dive in and like I ask people these questions because it always comes back to like there's always an underlying thing of why they went out and did mm-hmm. it and for you it was like wanting control and wanting freedom which yeah. are two things that Mike the other real estate person hit on and it's just common throughout everyone right it's having control over where you're going in your life over your income over how much work you put in you're not work working you put in right in territory alignments. How about this? Some of the recent medical mandates that I may or may not agree with. I don't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah. Because I have my own company that I have my own rules. Yeah. So, and uh, I'm, I much prefer it because some of the things I've heard that are being mandated, I, I don't want any part of. Yeah. So yeah. And I won't go into specifics. But. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not, I mean, that's the perks of owning your own business is like, if you're an entrepreneur or, you know, I always bring this back to the audience because obviously the most important ones, but if you're out there and you're wanting to go real estate or whatever it is, it's another reason. If you're someone that likes to have control, if you're someone that wants freedom, if you're someone in, I think a lot of times we get caught up in like the capital investment and obviously financially, I know that's the most important, most important and the hardest part, but there's a lot of resources or maybe something to think about in like a five or a 10 year plan. Like, Hey, how can I save up to get to this point? Cause once you start making that money, it, I mean, it might be $500 a month, a thousand dollars a month, but over time that's going to add up. And before you know it, and it could even skyrocket in two years and then you're out of court. I mean, 
you never know. Very good point. Like, so on those rental homes, I had them early on, you know, 12, 12, 13 years ago, early on making three to 500 a month, but then I got up to seven. So, so that's, you know, seven times five is, what is that? 3,500 a month. That's passive income. Boom, boom. That's early on. Now that you're generating maybe a thousand a month per rental home from when you started, because the rental rates have gone up and you owe very little. So the, that asset keeps getting more and more profitable over time. It's just, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, real estate is a really cool one. And I used to hear that, but I didn't really understand it. (laughs) So a a book I read one was, you've probably heard of rich dad, poor dad, Robert Kiyosaki. Mm -hmm. If I don't know if you've read excellent book, it kind of talks about a lot of the things we're saying, right? His rich dad was the, investor in the real estate guy in a smart way right the poor dad was the highly educated phd college professor that didn't understand this world but you know over time rich dad was was the guy doing all the real estate and and having that grow for you so books like that i read um uh there's um keller williams has some good ones for investors too i forget the name of it now i read that and then more or less just talking to people, like I said, and, and uh, at the end of the day, it, it all worked out. It's not perfect, but uh, the, the math works out pretty well if you stick with it. Nothing is perfect. Right. All right. Well, as we begin to wrap this up, is there any last, I always say like one, two or three things that you want to leave the audience with or any other takeaways that we haven't talked about, whether it's boat and RV related, life related, anything else that you want to leave the audience with today? No, and I, I think any age, it's it's tougher to maybe get the capital at a younger age to maybe yeah. if you have an interest in real estate, but I, figure out a way, even maybe with a family member, something to, to get started on it because in time you'll be glad you did it, whether it's that home you buy for your own use, an investment property, they all go up in value. Land ahead of development, it all goes up in value. So figure out a way to do it. You know, for mm-hmm. me, it's, Studying those numbers ahead of time, read a lot of books, and uh, you'll be very glad you did. You can retire early if you want. Yeah. So I like that. And then we have one last question, which I did not warn you, but it's not a hard question. We end every podcast. What are you grateful for today? Grateful today. Or any day. Just what are you grateful for? <laughs> grateful for my health and my family. Yeah. I'm very fortunate. Yeah. See, that's a good one. Sometimes I ask the question, they're like, uh, I'm like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but I am grateful for this podcast, for meeting new people like you, and also for my health as well. So thank you all for tuning in, and we will talk to you all next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.